Romans chapter number six. Now, for some time we have been dealing, and there has been a great deluge, if you will, or an inundation of information regarding grace. It started out under our general theme, trapped by your traditions, being that, uh, or we've seen throughout the Word of God that the traditions of man has made the Word of God to be what? Of no effect, being that there are things that man can pass down that will usurp authority, if you will, or carry more weight than what the Word of God says. And when you follow man's opinion or man's revelation beyond the word of God, that which God has not said, it makes the word of God, daughter, in that person's life ineffective. And we have that in the body of Christ today. We have people who are following man's tradition more so than the written word of God. And as a result, as a believer, they are exasperated. And what has happened as a result of that, what we call Christianity or in Christendom has been more of a performance-based religion. And, it's, and again, our relationship with Christ is exactly that. It's about a relationship. And when I say religion, religion in the sense that man is trying to do things work-wise to make himself right before God. That is not the God we serve. There's nothing you can do, you or I can do on our own, that would justify us or make us right before God. Do right. But it's not my doing right that makes me right. What Christ did is what placed me in right standards with God. Now, my life or my life's purpose is to live in agreement with what he did. Are you here? But the last several weeks we've been talking about under grace. We know that we're under grace. Again, I don't want to get stuck there because uh, anytime you're talking about the law and grace, you still have those. We're not under the law, nor were we born under the law. Are you with me? Now, do again, I always have to say this, do we keep the, you had the ceremonial laws, the civil laws, the moral laws. Uh, do we keep the moral aspect of the law? Absolutely. The moral aspect of the law was the do not kill. Do not steal. Don't bear false witness against our neighbor. That should not have no other gods before me. So, yeah, we keep those things. But here's the thing. In keeping those things, they are insufficient to make us right before God. Yep, don't kill. Don't steal. But it's not your not killing and not stealing that makes you right. Don't do those things. But, again, we're right based upon the finished work of Jesus. Who gets this? They go back and listen to the previous message. Now, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about living holy. See, okay, it's about to get thick now. Last week, we talked about empowered by grace. So today, we're still talking about under grace, but I want to talk about God's enabling power. We've been dealing in Romans 6 for some time, and I want to move a little further today. And of course, we know that grace is... God's enabling power, his undeserved favor, God's unmerited favor. Again, if it's merited, it's no longer grace. We've seen that last week. So if you're working for it, it's no longer grace. That's a debt. So you can't work for grace. There's nothing you can do to earn. No, God gives us that freely. That's undeserved. 
Are you with me? Then we also learn that grace is God stooping or bending in kindness. And my favorite, someone who is inferior to God who is superior. Okay? We learned, and actually grace is, Jesus' is grace personified. So when you're talking about grace, you're talking about the man, Jesus. Then we talked about that Chet Noon of God's grace. And I don't want to get on it because I get stuck. But based on the Hebrew pictorial language, we said that grace is, is when God produces life in us. Then he puts a fence or wall of protection around us that that life may not be removed or destroyed. That's why nobody can snatch you out of his hands. That's why once you receive Jesus, your name, listen, at that moment you have everlasting life, not over yonder. At 12 when you received him. Are you with me? So we dealt with that. So again, then we said grace puts us into position. We're talking about holiness now. Then he teaches us, since you're listening, Brother Moore, how to walk worthy of it. So grace puts me into position. Then it teaches me how to walk. So when you really understand grace, again, where people get this erroneous theology of it, 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 it gives you, or, or people are saying it makes you live in any kind of way, that's the furthest thing from the truth. You've been misled if, if someone has taught you that grace means living loosely or lawlessly or without any type of moral restraint. Are you with me? So, but grace puts us into position. Then it teaches us, how, who remembers this, you've seen it so much, you should know where to go. Where can we find that at? Where are my Bible students at? So, Brother Damien said, Titus 2, let's, let's, let's see what he's talking about, uh, Damien. Okay, do, do you have the, the, the TPT? Look, I said, oh, yeah, look, check him out, student, that's what I'm talking about. I, I like the TPT version. For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation to all men, it, what, it does what? It does what? Grace does what? It does what? So grace teaches me how to live ungodly. So without it, there's no enablement to do it. So, so you need, actually, you need grace to live ungodly. Do you, are you here? And, and I'm going to tell you that empowerment comes from the person of Holy Spirit. That's why when you receive Holy Spirit, you shall receive power. Are you here? So we see that it teaches us, it puts us into position, then it, here we see it what? Teaches us to walk worthy. Now, to, where it puts us in position, we've seen this in Titus 3, 5 through 7. Let me go here real quickly because I want to get to Romans 6. Mm. When you guys do this, it it just makes this teaching that much longer. <laughs> he saved us not because of, not because of, see, if, if grace is merited, look, not because of any 
You can't work yourself righteous. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace if it was merited, if it was based upon my righteousness or what I do. He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion, mercy, by the cleansing of the new, new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration. Here it go. And what? Renewing by Holy Spirit, whom he poured out recently upon us through Jesus our Savior. Okay, verse 7. Jesus Christ our Savior. So that we would be what? Justified. Made free of the guilt of sin. Again, we, we talk about that, that sin which separated us and alienated us from the presence of God, which we inherited by our first parents, Adam and Eve. We, we, we dealt with that. Who remember that? Okay? So, again, we see, we, we talked, oh, I showed you some weeks ago that sin entered the earth realm through Lucifer. No, it, it entered the earth realm through Lucifer or Satan, but it entered humanity through Adam. And because of that sin, God's judgment and God's wrath was upon man because of what he did. Right? And we've seen this. We made sinners because of what Adam did, but we made righteous because of what Christ did. So that wrath and that judgment that we were under because of what Adam did in Christ, I'm no longer under God's wrath or God's judgment. That's the word. Are you with me? Grace that we will be acknowledged. See, you have, to, you, you, look, you have been acknowledged as acceptable to him. Made heirs of eternal life. Actually, see, you should be experiencing that. Now, so we talked about that, and we said that uh, our position. Now, listen. We, we're in Romans 6. Now, understand this. Our position is absolutely perfect. Because we are in Christ. It is our practice that should increasingly correspond every day with our position. So positionally, we're holy. Positionally, before God, you are holy, blameless, and above reproach. So when God looks at you with all of your flaws and all, he sees you, as a believer that is, holy, blameless, and above reproach. Not because you came to church today. Not because you didn't curse last week. Not because you fasted seven days and plus one. No, 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 no. He sees you holy, blameless, and above reproach because of what Jesus did. So, 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 so you're not trying to be holy. You are holy. And what you do does not make you holy. I do what I do because I am holy. Who, oh, no, I don't do this to be holy. I do this because I am holy. Do what? Live a life that corresponds with my position. Talking about reflecting Christ. Are you with me? Then, too, we said, okay, okay at, the, at the time... We're born again, we are positionally what? Holy. Sanctified, set apart. Separated from the world in service to God. 
So there's positional holiness. Positional holiness is who we are. We're in right standing with Christ. Okay? Oh, boy. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, NLT. Just let me show you this. So we, we say there's what? Positional holiness. There's practical holiness. That's what we do every day. Then there's what we call perfect holiness. You get that when you're going to be with the Lord. Because you, you're not going to be perfect in the sense of what, when the Bible speaks, use the word perfect, it's talking about, particularly in Matthew, where, people, where the word of God declares, be perfect as I'm, uh, be perfect as Christ is perfect. That's not perfect in the sense of flawlessness. That word perfect, it means to be mature, to get to a state of maturity, to get to a place of mature, maturity through a, a developmental process. In other words, because you went through this development process, development, development process, as you do this, you grow and you mature. So it's being matured through a process of development. Not perfect, man of God, in the sense of you, won't, you, you have no flow. No, you, that, that's, that's an illusion. Are you here? So let's look at this. I am, look, what, what did Apostle Paul say? I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own to be his own holy people. He made you holy. Not by means of your righteous acts. Be righteous. You are righteous. Walk upright. But we were made holy by means of Christ, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of who? Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Okay, we've seen that. Then we see we were sanctified or made holy once and for all. We've seen this in Hebrews 10, 10. If you just want to put it up for their um, um, hearing, that's fine. Okay, you see that. He did what? And in accordance with the will of God, we believe in the message of salvation. Who, who believe, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified. That is what? Set apart as holy for God and his, and his purposes through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord one. And that one time was good enough for all time. If not, we would, keep, have to, we would have to keep making sacrifices as they did in the old covenant which were types and shadows, but once the reality came, talking about Christ or the substance, those things were done away with. That's why we don't have to sacrifice goats and bullocks anymore. Why? Because Christ is our sacrifice. Romans 6. Uh, Let me jump ahead now. Here we said chapter 6 centers around three key words, right? Know, reckon, and consider, and, and present. Know, reckon, and present. Now, in chapter 5, we, we, we dealt with that. Man, so much information. Um, and we said understanding, know, reckon, and present 
it will help us follow Apostle Paul's argument if we understand the difference between the believer's position and his what? Practice. Again, his position is his standing in Christ. We are in right standing with God. His practice or our practice is what we should be doing in everyday living. Again, holiness is a continuous process, not an achievement. <laughs> you say that again. And, you, know, you know, there are some denominations that tell you it's an achievement. You know, see, see now you just, that's been prideful. To say it's an achievement is meaning you can go the rest of your life without ever having a bad thought, a bad day, and no negativity. That's, that's too much of a burden to bear. Not that you're going looking to, to, to fall short, but th- that's too much of an expectation uh, to put on somebody who can't do it on their own. Are you with me? So holiness is a, it's, it's a progressive process. Again, notice, the more you do this, the more mature you become and the more you appear to be like Jesus. So it's not an achievement. The achievement comes with that perfect holiness that you receive when you meet him face to face. Are you with me? So in Romans 3, uh, notice the first key word in Paul's presentation is what? To know, right? You with me? Now, let's read Romans 6 and 3. Now, we dealt with We dealt with Romans 6 and 1. And just, it bears repeating. Again, in chapter 5, Paul closes chapter 5 telling us that great, we're sin abound, grace abound much more. So again, in response to the Jewish objector, the Apostle Paul, he answered, he's answering the question in chapter 6. Does grace or, the teach, or does the teaching of salvation by grace through faith permit or encourage sinful living? Absolutely not. That's why he starts off saying, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Every time you see this, most teach this as if, if you keep sinning, grace going to run out. That's, a, that, that's an untruth. To say grace run out is to mean that Jesus runs out. That's not what he's saying. Because, it, well, chapter 5 lets us know that because he said, where grace abound, excuse me, where sin abound, grace abound much more. So in response to the Jewish objector, because the Jewish objector was like this, well, it seems logical that the more I sin, the more grace will be extended to me. Well, if that's the case, shouldn't I just keep sinning whereby grace can keep abounding? That's what he's saying here. Then Paul said, absolutely not. How shall we continue in sin? Yeah, verse 2. Certainly not. Well, how come? Because I have died to it. That sin that separated you from God that is a settled issue. Once you become a believer, that thing can never separate me from God again. Are you here? 
Can I fall short? Absolutely. But your falling short as a believer does not separate you from God. Why? Because what separated you from God has been dealt with. Get this. Why y'all got me? I don't want to talk about that today. But since you were pulling that way, now let's, let's get into what we're talking about today. Uh, we're talking about what? <laughs> What's the day? God's, we, what we're talking about today? God's enabling power. Now, let, let's go to, so we had to know, we have to know, reckon, and what? Consider. D- know, reckon, and present will help me what? With my practice, which corresponds with my position. You hear? Okay. The first key word is no. Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized in Christ's death, Jesus were baptized into his what? Death. Again, that word here, baptized, is the Greek word baptizo, which simply means to immerse or submerge. Right here, he is not talking about water baptism. And you must understand, every time you see the word uh, baptized in the Bible, you can't automatically assume, which most have been, which has been imposed on us, that it's talking about water. That's not the truth. Are you here? And we've seen in Hebrews 6, if you want to put it up for the hearing, 1 and 2, uh, the writer of Hebrew talks about the doctrine of baptisms. Baptisms, plural. So there, there, you have the baptism of Holy Spirit. You have the baptism of repentance. You have the baptism with, uh, with fire. Then you have water baptism. Here, we, the uh, apostle is talking about the baptism into Christ's death, being immersed, submerged into Christ's death. Okay? So that's important to understand. Look at verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into his death. Are you here? So the old man, watch this, was immersed, submerged with Christ. So everything that happened to Christ happened to you. Not only when he got up, I know on doing a resurrection message, we, all, we always hear when he got up with power. Well, you got up with power. Why? Because you were in him. So not only did he have all power in his hand, you <laughs> have all power in yours because he is in you. Your life is hid in Christ. And it's not you who lives now, but Christ who lives in you, if you let them. <laughs> so l- listen, so you have to know what, that that old man was buried. That's why he can't sin. Why? Because he was buried. Now, this new man can fall short, but the old man has died. See, you have to know. Because if not, if you don't know that, you, people will have you forever coming to this altar every time you fall short. How many, if I have to keep getting saved over and over again, now I am trying to come righteous by my works. 
Look at verse 6. Knowing this, knowing this, that our old man, see, you, you have to know. Knowing your old man was, he was what? That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slave. See, you can't. Why? Because that man died to it. Our old man refers to all that we were as children of Adam. Our old, evil, unregenerate selves, our old habits, appetites. So at conversion, listen, we put off the old man and put on the... Oh, y'all missed it. So we put off the old man and we put on the... See, the old man is dead. See, you have to know that now you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are not that. See, you may look like him from an outward appearance, but that is not you. He died. She died. So you have to reckon yourselves. When those old appetites and desires try to resurface, you have to know that he dead, and a dead man can't lie. A dead man can't commit adultery. A dead man can't fornicate. A dead man doesn't cheat on his taxes. A dead man doesn't walk in offense. Oh, there's a good one. A dead man doesn't keep what belongs to God. Why? He can't. Why? Because he's dead. Are you with me? Again, that's where this practice comes in. Because on your way of being matured, you're being developed. So there may be some days where your walk looks a little bit better than it did before. Or in actuality, the more you walk, the better the practice should become. And the more you practice, daughter, the more you look like Christ. But what happens a lot of times, because believers don't know, they don't practice. So their lifestyle, man of God, never corresponds or look like or harmonizes with their position. It's not that they're all not saved. They all just don't practice. That's why you see some still do the things they used to do. And you, oh, he ain't saved. No, no. He just don't know he needs to practice. He hadn't reckoned himself to be dead to the club. Dead man has no desire to party like he used to party. Oh, see, uh, we t- I thought y'all wanted to know about holiness. Huh? Uh-uh. See, you, you, you were told that it was how you dress. No, it's not holiness. Uh, you know, look your best with what you have, but it's not your outer. Well, that's not what makes you holy. Are you here? Ah. Uh, so here... Paul is talking about the baptism into Jesus Christ's death. Are you here? So we are identified with him in his death and his resurrection. Now, 
Watch this. Listen to this. You got to listen to me for a second. Because you keep identifying yourself with the old, the old man. is The crucifixion of the old man at Calvary means that the body of sin has been put out of commission. Well, as a new creation, I, you know, I, I passed, I, I got me, I did a little bit something last night. But, but see, <laughs> the, no, see, first you have to reckon that the old man is dead. In understanding that you need to practice all the more. See, this is where that renewing the mind comes into play. This is where acknowledging that he did. And if you tell yourself something is dead long enough and, and you reckon that, and you know, well, first, if you know and you consider that, it's being put out of, well, that's what, he, that's what it means in verse 2. Man, he can't do it. Why? Because he's dead. See, if it continues, it's certainly not. What do you mean he can't consider? Because that body that was infected with that sin is dead. Are you here? Now, the, the body of sin doesn't refer to the physical body. Rather, the indwelling sin, watch this, that, that, that the indwelling sin which personified as that thing that was ruling you as a result of what Adam did. It's not the outward physical. No, it's what I inherited, what we inherited as a result of what Adam did. It was a tyrant. Rule. That's why sin should no longer have dominion over you. Why? See, because that body of sin has been done away with. It has been, listen to this, annulled. See, this is what you should be knowing, that the old man, that the body of sin, it has been annulled, rendered inoperative as a controlling power. Notice the last clause, it says that we should no longer be slaves to sin. In other words, this means the tyranny of sin over us has been broken. That dominion that once had you, that power that once had you, it no longer has you bound now. Why? Because it died, that effectiveness of it, the dominion of it died when the old man died over me, that is, over that individual. Are you here? Well, well, no, well, I heard that. So the sin that had dominion over you, when the old man died, that power went with it. It no longer has dominion over you. You have to know this. It no longer has dominion over you. Well, Pastor, you know, I keep doing it. It no longer has dominion over Well, Pastor, you know, Pastor, it seems like more out there. It no longer has dominion over you. Now, I'm going to show you. It's a couple of things working there. One, you're still, for some daughter, they're still depending on the flesh, which were how they did under the law. Trying to be right. By, listen, the more you try to abstain on your own, what time you say come? Yeah, I'll be there. You pray in tongues all day. 
and nothing, and you'll, you'll be praying while you're on your way to see him. Why? Because you're defending on the flesh. But you died to that. You've been free from that. From that. Well, how can you say that? Oh, man, I ain't never such a stuff in all the days of my life. You haven't read your Bible, sir. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. Look at me like, well, he get that and talking about somebody free from that. You got me bound. See, change the confession. Watch this. No, I, I'm sorry, 6 and 7. We'll, do, we'll deal with this too. Romans 6 and 7. For he who ha ah, has died has been freed from sin. That which had you separated, alienated from God, under God's judgment, you've been freed from that. Not only has our penalty been paid, but sin's stranglehold on our lives has been broken. You need to get this. See, so you have to know this. Watch this. Why is this baptism in Christ significant? In him. The baptism in Christ means that in the reckoning of God, watch this, the believer has died with Christ and has risen with him. Again, here, Paul is speaking of our spiritual identification with Christ. That's why, you know, there's nothing wrong with being water baptized. It, it identifies you with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's not needed to be saved. It is not. But it's okay to do it. Because if it's needed to be saved, that's works. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not by work. See, so you can boast. Hey, I got baptized. So see, then you think that's now you're boasting. And again, what about the lady on her deathbed who we don't have time to get to the water, but she accepts Jesus? Is she not going because we didn't have time to immerse her? See, again, the tradition of man has made the word of God of no effect. And, and, and God bless whatever, but li listen, let me say something. Holiness is not a denomination. See, I came up in the Pentecostal persuasion. They're not the only ones what we call Holy. That's why sometimes you meet people that say, I'm Pentecostal. So what, you, what does that mean? What you trying to say? That if I'm Baptist, I'm not holy? Am I to live a different standard as a Methodist opposed to someone who is part of a what we call sanctified church? See, have we separated the body of Christ through denomination? Every believer is holy. That's Bible. Matter of fact, if you look up the word saint, the Greek word hagias, it means to be holy. You are holy by virtue of Christ, whether you're Methodist, Baptist, 
interdenominational, non-denominational, Pentecostal. Whatever, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are holy. But what has happened, we've allowed denominations to deem us unholy based upon our practice. Being that since my practice doesn't necessarily look today like my position, you say I'm not holy. But the devil is a lie. I'm holy by virtue of Jesus. Now, I would admonish you, just keep looking at my practice, extend some grace toward me, just like Christ toward me. And as I keep getting uh, uh, better at my practice. the more I start corresponding with my position and harmonizes and living in agreement with my position. So you have to be careful when you start calling people, you a sinner, ah, you better watch out. Because your practice today may look a little bit better than his or hers, but tomorrow you may need the same grace extended Are you here? Verse 4. Therefore, we were, we were, oh, y'all not there. Y'all, it's like, we were, were, what were you talking about? Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism in his death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in. Do you see this? In newness of life. That's that practice. The walking in newness is living a life that corresponds with my position. That's why as saints, holy ones, those separated from the world and live in service to God, certain things as you mature, you just don't want to do. And see, we argue, should I drink, should I not drink, should I smoke something? As you mature, certain things you just have no taste and desire to do. Why? Because I want to look like my father. And we're arguing over pettiness. And what we have to understand is that people mature at various levels. Some mature quicker than others. It all depends if you're getting up determined to practice this thing. Are you guys here? So that's why, yeah, I could go to the club tomorrow night, tonight if I want to. But because of my maturity, there's no desire. What I, what, what, it, it, unless I'm going to spread the good news, I have no desire. Been there, done that. Used to all night be out clubs sharing the gospel of Jesus while the saints was at home in the bed. Then I got a revelation that now... This is, we are all co-labels with God. I'm going to go home and go to bed like the saints do. And just share Jesus when I'm out and about. <laughs> are, you, are you with me? So, um, then too, everybody can't handle that. You, you, have to, so you have to know your level of maturity. See, you leave the crackheads alone if you're not mature enough to share Jesus to the crackhead. Being like, if, if, if I'm 
If I know that I've only been off crack for two weeks, you ain't ready to go talk to your friend. Not the not the crackheads. Whatever you call them now, I don't want to insult anyone. Whatever you call people who do crack, okay? Crack people. Is that better? People who indulge in crack. Or whatever it may be. So my maturity level, though, may not be strong enough now to go try to minister to. So you, you, you need to do the public's ministry. Kroger parking lot ministry. Sprouts vegetable section ministry. See, you, you, need, to, you, you need to do that. You, no, no, no. I, I don't need to be. If, if I was addicted to going to strip clubs and now I'm on fire for Jesus, that doesn't need to be my first place where I'm trying to tell people. Because you'll find yourself back in there doing that same stuff you used to do before you. Not that you're not saved, but my practice, I ain't good at this. I need to. No, no. You are, you are a Friday night high school football game member now. That's where you need to be. At the middle school football games, sharing Jesus to the youth. But stay out that club. <laughs> See, when you understand the holiness, guys, you understand that I, I want to walk in such a way that when people see me, they see Jesus. Because they are watching. What you trying to say? Everybody go to the club? Did I say? Did you? I didn't say they weren't saved. I'm saying there are people who don't understand or don't know who they are. Therefore, they don't they don't understand their responsibility relative to a believer in how their practice should correspond with their. Well, how do I know? Would I? Now I said this a few weeks ago. Can I do it? Can I not do it? What do I do? Look at Jesus. Did he do it? No. Well, th- there you go. Don't you do it? Did he do it? Yeah. Well, you do it. Is that hard? And see, look. Oh, I just felt the need to say this. Your practice goes everywhere you go. See, I don't practice living holy in Georgia. Then go on vacation and in Vegas then. That old man just live how he, I'm doing everything. To, see, you don't know that he died. And if, he, if, if, if the deadness work in Georgia, you have to know that the deadness work in Vegas. Now, this is no reflection on anybody who's been to Vegas recently because I know y'all go every weekend living your best life. Keep doing it. God bless you. I'm just saying you have to know that your practice transcends even. When you're in Italy, France, <laughs> who gets what I'm saying? Because sometimes we forget that, uh, see, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, around my Christian friends. That's another thing we got to get rid of. We, we, we know all the right, I mean, colloquialisms. We know what to say. Oh, he good. Yeah, he good. All the time. Oh, God, his grace just, oh, I'm just so submerged. Ah, but see, you have to remember that when you're with your friends that don't know Jesus that you're trying to influence, you still have to practice because they're watching. Not saying you're going to be perfect, but he will say, 
that if he could do it for him, if God can turn him around, man, if he, if he can do it for my friend, he can do it for me. See, that's the... So the first thing you have to what? No. You got it? Okay, number two. The second key word in Paul's presentation is reckon or consider. So not only do you have to know that the old man died, is dead, and now we walk in newness of life, but you have to what? Reckon or consider that man. What do you mean? When those old things try to rise up, you have to know that that thing, that man has died. Verse 11, Romans 6 and 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ, Jesus our Lord. Now, Paul has described what it is, uh, and, and it is true of us positionally. Now he turns to the practical outworking of this truth in our lives. In other words, once you know that, you have a responsibility to walk like you are a new creation. Why? Because all the things have passed away. Are you here? Now that word, reckon, or it's literally a Greek word, it means, or consider, it literally means take into account. Come to a bottom line. It means reason to a logical conclusion. You hear me? It means, again, actually it means to, to take into account, to compute, come to the bottom line. Reason to a logical conclusion. In other words, this is what it means. To reckon here, listen, beloved, it means to accept what God says about you as true and to live in the light of it. To reckon here, it means to accept what God says about you as true and to live in the light of it. In other words, he said, come to a logical conclusion. Get in your mind, get in your thick skull that you are who God says you are. See, you have to know that. You know why, Brother Damon? Because man would try to tell you something differently based upon your practice. But you have to consider. I have came to the conclusion, in spite of what everybody else say, I am who God says I am. Because they will accuse you of not being who God says you are, again, based upon your practice. But you can't, see, you are not your practice. You are your position. <laughs> you are not the practice. You are the position. And the position says, I'm holy. See, you are holy. So I'm not the practice. Are you with me? So we reckon ourselves dead to sin. Watch this. When we respond to temptation as a dead man would. 
See, see, I've accepted who God says I am. Notice, it's, notice reckon means to accept what God says about you is true and to live in light of it. So when those things try to come back or resurface, I have to respond to those things, the works of the flesh, watch this now, as a dead man would. Have you ever seen a dead man commit some things? Wait, hold on. Let me rephrase that. Because let me say it this way. Because if I start going down a list, conviction can ride up. People can say, oh, see, I'm afraid you're talking about I'm holding my practice. What am I? There you go talking about me. I understand. Watch this. First of all, let me say this. From the pulpit to the pews. We're all practicing. We're all a work in progress. From the chiefest among whoever now, because like I said, there's a lot of chiefs in the body of Christ. Even the chief, chief, apostle, pastor, prophet, doctor, whatever you want to call they are a work in progress. And none of them are perfect. Some of us may be a little bit more mature than others, but none of us are perfect. I know, I know people. See, that's where that grace comes in because I know people here are working on things. That's why, listen, the gospel has the power to save. See, my responsibility, the word says Holy Spirit will convict the world. See, my job is not to condemn you. My job is to give you the word and let Holy Spirit do what he does best. So I don't have to call out the this and the that. All I do is proclaim this word and Holy Spirit would deal with this and with that and with. Oh, y'all missed that. Well, Pastor, you're supposed to get out. You're supposed to call it what it is. Well, what is it? If he is a believer, he holy. What is it then? See, you, 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 see, what you want me to do is try to identify him with somebody who has died. He is not who he was. So I can't call it what it used to be because what it used to be no longer is. How about shit? That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, he tells them, some of you were this. You were that, but you were washed. <laughs> so I can't call you that now. Why? Because you were washed. You might have used to have been a pimp, but you're no longer a pimp anymore. So I can't. I... So you want me to call out pimps when the pimps are no longer. That'll help somebody if you let it seep. Did it wait here? Hold up. See, that's what it means by you have to know. Because the devil will forever try to remind you of who died. And you will keep acting like who died if you don't know who living. <laughs> if you don't know who should be living, you will forever like who died. Are y'all hearing 
this. <laughs> oh boy, I wish I had another 20 minutes. But that's why you have to come to a logical conclusion. Even when that old man tried to the old tendencies, because he's dead. When old things try to resurface, I've came to a logical conclusion. I'm who God says I am. And I'm going to react to that or respond to that like a dead man would. Have you ever seen a dead man react to anything? Dead people don't get offended. Dead, offended, dead people don't receive offense. Why they dead? Are y'all missing? So you have to reckon. So again, when we reckon ourselves dead to sin, we respond to the temptations as a dead man would. See, a dead man has nothing to do with immorality, lying, cheating, gossip, or any other thing that's a characteristic of the operation of the flesh. Are you here? So the first step, guys, in walking in practical holiness is reckoning upon the crucifixion of the old man. You have to know. That not only is he dead, but I am who God says I am. And when you know that, see, again, we don't walk based on feeling. See, this is why it's so important to know. Because you may not feel holy while you're practicing. But you have to know you are holy while you're practicing. Because if not, the enemy will forever get you to try to fall back into something that no longer has a dominion, has dominion over you. The third key word is present. I might as well just give you this. That way I won't have to back up again. I can move to the next thing God wants. You want to get it? Let me give it to you real quick. Yeah, shoot. Let me give it to you. Man, you, see, look, I only see you once or twice at the most a week. I don't know what environment, environments some of us have been swimming in. So if I'm not a good steward of walking it out, for some, it, I'm starting all over again with that individual. Are you here? So we have to present. Verse 13. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. One reason why you can't because that old man is dead. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Instruments, members. So... I should, it, if all of my functionality and body portion and, and how I conduct myself, I should use them as instruments, what? Of righteousness. So that goes back to what I said earlier. Certain things I don't do because I am an instrument of righteousness. I want my practice to correspond with my position. I want my life to, when you see me, 
you say, I see Christ. You hear? Living holy. So we must present ourselves. No, no, no. We must not present our members or the members of our bodies to sin. To use as weapons or tools of wickedness. Why? Because I'm an instrument of righteousness. So we must not present our members or, or we must not present the members of body to sin, but to use as weapons of tools of, or to use the words, or to use as weapons of wickedness. In other, I said this other week, the onus or the responsibility of the believer now, watch this, is for us to allow Holy Spirit, there you go, to work in us, to be used in the case of righteousness. See, again, you cannot do this without the person, power, influence, the Holy Spirit. You, no, you can't. I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm, I'm going to show you. You can't do it. To try to do it on your own, you're going to fall back up on that old system and forever feel condemned. Oh, man. That's why you get, man, Lord, I ain't going to never do this again. I promise you. I promise you, Jesus. I, Lord, forgive me. I won't ever do that again. And guess what? When you don't rely on the Holy Spirit, next Friday, Lord, I, I ain't never doing that. Lord, I'm gonna go on a consecration. I, I'm a, Lord, Lord, I, Lord, I, 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 I'm gonna stay away for 20 days. And, I, and, and you try to do all that stuff on your own. Again, you get into that asceticism. Try to make yourself holy by eat for some, even inflicting body, uh, bodily harm, or re- trying to restrict yourself from certain things. To make yourself appear to be more righteous, you only do it all the more. Because you can't do it on your own. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. Okay, now, <clears throat> in chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, let me, he's dealing with the power, listen this, for holiness or of holiness. So he's telling to us about the power of holiness. Are you here? And it starts out around verse 16. He lets us know that the believer should walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. How should the believer walk? In the spirit, not in the flesh. Okay? Watch this. Uh, Now, to walk in in the spirit or by the spirit is to allow Holy Spirit to lead. It's allow Holy Spirit to have his way, not your way. It is to remain in communion with him, constant fellowship with Holy Spirit. That's why we encourage you every day. You should be praying in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I edify myself. Charging myself up. Are you here? He speaks to me. Mysteries are being revealed. Are you here? So it is to, so when we're talking about walking in the Spirit, it is to allow Him, Holy Spirit, to have His way. Now, those who are Spirit-led, this is what He's saying, are not under the law. Self-effort. See, the law appeals to the energy of the flesh. That's why in verses 19, uh, 20, and 21, we see, or he shows us the kind of works that are produced through the fallen nature. Are you with me? So he shows us in 19, uh, those who do this, those who do this, see, what he's showing us that people who try to live by the flesh, this is characteristic of them. But you, 
should be led by the Spirit. Again, those who are Spirit-led are not under the law. People under the law were dependent on self. And, and, and when you depend on self, you'll find yourself doing those things where it said the works of the flesh are evident. Oh, he, he depended on self. Now, again, the law appeals to the energy of the flesh. And it shows what kind of works the fallen nature produces. Now, in verse 22, 22 through 25, what the Apostle Paul is doing now, he's making a distinction between the works of the flesh and the fruit, not fruits. So next time you teach a Bible class, it's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit, singular. It's one fruit. Why do you say that? Because I can read. But the, what, hold on, first of all, let's see this. Where do you see fruits at? And I, we've all probably done it at some point in time because, look, doing what been handed down. We didn't even read for ourselves. We just, I hear Rev said, fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> so all these are characteristics of the fruit. Not fruits. So he distinguishes between the works of the flesh. So if you want to see the works of the flesh, read verses 19 through 21. And if you want to see the fruit of the Spirit, watch this. Read verses 22 through 25. Again, the works of the flesh are produced by human energy. Notice he says, again, fruit, singular, not plural. Holy Spirit produces one kind of fruit. And it's Christ-likeness. Oh, y'all missed that. He produces one kind of fruit, and it's Christ-likeness. So when we walk, when we practice all these things, it identifies us with Christ. Now, let me show you something. All of you who are trying to gain self-control, yeah, I said it I'm in, in, with all humility, if you are going to be a success at having any kind of self-control, you are going to need Holy Spirit. Yes, you will. That's See, a light should have came on for something. That's why I keep fornicating. Or whatever it might be. That's why I keep lying. I've been saying, I'm going to stop. You're not. Without the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't feel condemned now. Like I said, you're not the only one working on something. My vice may not be your vice. But don't think there's just one or two in here that walk, that look kind of, that walk kind of, that walk kind of, you know, that walk, you know, that walk ain't kind of stable. Oh, a lot of people... <laughs> You might be like this today, but, but you, you keep doing it. You straighten up just like a little baby. You, you know, you, you ever seen a little baby when first baby, little baby, you know, that's how it is when you become a believer. You, you're going to stumble. You're going to fight. Yeah, you're going to. But I tell you what, a five-year-old, five-year-old walks a whole lot better than a six-month-old 
or a one-year-old, a 10-year-old walks a whole lot better than a, at least they should anyway. So if I'm a 12-year veteran as a saint, I should look a little bit, I should look like a 12-year veteran. Okay? So, so this is not, so nobody should feel condemned because I don't know who did what last night. But I do know we're all a work in progress. See? This should make you feel bad. Oh, thank you, Lord. I, there's another one in here. Thank you, Jesus. I thought I was the only one. Lord, I, the, boy, that makes me feel so good to know that I'm not the only one. But I tell you what, I'm gonna hit the I'm, I'm gonna hit the floor hard today. I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna practice like and you, you know what? It's, here's the illusion about it. When you when the practice gets so good, it looks perfect. It's not that you're perfect, it just look why? Because you do this with great regularity. We shouldn't call ourselves perfect. But we should look, see, man, he looks like, oh, oh, he looks just like Jesus. Are you here? All right, so let's, let's close with this because y'all looking like I'll right past to get to a stopping place. The same ones who urged me five minutes ago, keep going. <laughs> so Holy Spirit produces one kind of fruit, and that is Christ-likeness. So all the virtues listed that we're about to read describe the life of the child of God. Notice, but the fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. See, see, look, 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 look. When I practice these things, not only will they be evident, but they'll be visibly seen. See, that faithfulness caused me to resume from behind the camera back to in person. Because I understand the practice. Verse 23, gentleness, ooh, self-control. Against such there is no law. So where it says against such there is no law, what he's saying to people who do these things are relying on Holy Spirit, not the law. You see? In those, look at verse 24, in those who are, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Guys, look. Gentleness, guys, if I want to possess self-control, you can, if you're going to be effective at it, you need the influence of the Holy Spirit. That explains why when we try to do it, in our own power, man, we, 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 keep, we, we can't do it. See, that, when we lie on the Holy Spirit, daughter, that's going to give us the discipline. And, and see, then, that, that's why all, even to those who were uh, uh, in relationships, <laughs> see, it's important that we both have the same beliefs relative to this God that we serve. Because I can't be practicing one thing 
and you practice another, we'll never be on the same plane. And here's the thing. And, and when I become serious about my practice, again, certain things, man, I God, I can't do. Why? Because that man died. Who gets this? And, and you should want your significant other to understand this because you don't want to be with someone who's still living like the dead man. And here you're walking in newness of life and they don't know nor have they reckoned who they are. So they, oh, that's the relationship tribe teaching right there, boy. Lady, man. Verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passive desires. So, beloved, to be led by the Spirit means to be filled. Listen, listen to this. To be led by the Spirit means to be lifted above the flesh and to be occupied with the Lord. And see, when you are so occupied with living for the Lord, you are not thinking about the law or the flesh or trying to do this by your own adroitness or by your own means. Notice verse 24, and those who are of Christ have what? Crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. That word crucified uh, in the Greek is the Greek word storuo, storuo, and it means to fence with stakes. To fence with stakes. To crucify. Do you hear that? To, anybody know what a stake is? Wooden stake. So, so when, see, you, you, that's what. See, all this time back into the wrecking. So, watch this. Notice it says, "And those who have, who are of Christ, have crucified the flesh." There, see, there's been stakes fenced all around, and it keeps all of those fleshly things from. Penetrating. And as long as I reckon myself to be dead, then those things would never penetrate. Why? Because there's a fence around me. That brings us back to that Chet Noon. Got that fence all around me. It gives me life. And it keeps my life preserved. That's why that what has come to try to destroy you, it can't. Why? Because it cannot penetrate through the fence that's around you. But if I don't know that, and I don't consider that, and take into account, daughter, that I am who God says I am, then we'll let things escape that fence. And we'll forever, again, rely on self and we'll forever be condemned. Are you, are you here? All right, so let me get to a... <laughs> it, that word fence here, or crucified, is also used figuratively. Watch this. Of the old self being put to death. Watch this. By submitting 
all decisions and desires to the Lord. Do you hear that? Notice that living in agreement. What's the word? Homologia. We love what God loves. Hate what he hates. See, it's submitting all decisions and desires to the Lord. Lord, is this something that you would approve of? No, I don't want to walk that way then. Again, don't. You're practicing. You'll get there. Just rely on the Holy Spirit. And when you do this, this utterly and decisively rejects the decision, the decision to live independently from the Lord. And see, when we reject the person, power, presence of the Holy Spirit, we're choosing to live independently. You're saying, I can do this. And you will never succeed trying to do it on your own. Now, in hermeneutics, there's what's called the pract- practical principle. And I'm done. Someone say the practical principle. The practical principle is once we've properly examined passages to understand its meaning, we now have the responsibility to apply it to our lives. In other words, now that Pastor done told me about this, now that I know. I have a responsibility to walk it out. See, to rightly divide the word of truth is more than an intellectual exercise. It's a life-changing event. Are you here? So what I mean by that, it's bigger than being able to quote John 3.16. But it's allowing John 3.16 to come alive in me. If you get what I'm saying. So you just can't, in other words, you just can't quote, rightly dividing the word of truth is more than quoting the scripture. But it's living it. Why? Because since I seen it, I now have a responsibility to walk it out. Are you here? Come on, let's get a lot of hand clap of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.